G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Their faith was growing in the midst of the toughest and the roughest and the most crushing of circumstances. Their faith is not the kind that says, Why me, Lord? But the faith that says, Why not me, Lord? Welcome to Leading the Way with popular pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, dive into the words of Paul, directed to his friends in Thessalonica. People experiencing persecution, yet living out a remarkable faith, growing in love, and inspiring hope to the world around them. Now, here's Dr. Yusuf to begin today's Leading the Way message. A story told that in July of 1919, Henry Ford took the witness stand in a court in Chicago in a libel suit against the Chicago Tribune. And in his testimony, as he's testifying, he burst with a loud voice and said, History is bunk. But a lot of people believe that history is bunk. There are a lot of people in our culture believe that history is meaningless. Others have said that history is a cycle. And I know that some people teach this stuff, even in churches. That it keeps on going and going and going. It's in cycle, keeps going. But the Word of God declares that history not only is His story but that he and he alone is going to bring history to an end. History will end when he and he alone appears in majesty and splendor and glory and power. The Christian view of history is far from being a circle or far from being cyclical. It is linear. That is what the Bible teaches. History will come to an end with a glorious end for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and His alone. History will come to an end, to a dreadful end, for those who refuse to believe Him to be the King of history. That's the message of the Bible. And it is the message of the Apostle Paul's two epistles to the Thessalonians, the first and the second. Today, I'll begin with you to look at the second epistle to the Thessalonians about the signs of the end of history. And what does God say through the Apostle Paul will happen? What are the signs of the history coming to an end? The amazing thing is that the Apostle Paul does not begin by talking about these signs. He does not begin by talking about the Antichrist, but he begins by being ecstatic about the faith of the Thessalonians. He is ecstatic about the fact that these beleaguered believers who lived in that bustling coastal town 
were growing in their faith. They have grown so much in their faith, even between the time of sending his first epistle and the second one. These believers in Thessalonica were going through the most unbelievable and the most intense persecution. And yet, their incredible faith, this faith of this remarkable group of people, caused the Apostle Paul to use a word that he has never used anywhere else. In all of his epistles, he uses a word he never used before or since. And that word is bound or compelled or obligated or in debt to give thanks to God for them. The Apostle Paul was saying that he is standing in awe of the strength in the midst of the tough times. He said, I cannot help but give thanks to God. In fact, I feel that my gratitude to God on your behalf is like a debt. It is an incredible faith in the times of crushing circumstances. Now we can turn to 2 Thessalonians. Verse 3 of chapter 1. Here's what the apostle said. We abound. Here's that word I told you never mentioned before and since. We are obligated. I am almost in a debt to do this. To give thanks to God. Always for you and rightly so. You say, how come? Oh, because he said, your faith that is growing like topsy (laughs) in the toughest of times. I know this is a rough translation, but you you get the meaning. Someone said the power of gratitude is the real test of character. And certainly the Apostle Paul was filled with gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord on behalf of the believers in Thessalonica. Three reasons for that that he mentions here. First, he said he's filled with thanksgiving for their ever-increasing faith. Secondly, he gives thanks to God for their ever-growing love. Thirdly, he says he gives thanks to God for their ever, ever ever-intensifying hope. He gives thanks to God for their ever-increasing faith. Listen, you and I would agree that if their faith was increasing... Because of their prosperity, we understand that. Man, we experience that. We praise God. Man, it's wonderful. And we rejoice. And we're all on cloud nine. See, we get that. We understand that. If their faith was increasing because they have been blessed financially, they have been getting favor, they've been accepted in society, things are really happening. Oh, man, we certainly know that. We understand that. We get it. If their faith was increasing because they were healthy and they were growing in power, they had no problem, everything is hunky-dory, we can identify with that, right? Ah, but that would not have compelled the Apostle Paul to express this incredible, deep, deep gratitude to God as a debt on their behalf. Listen to me. What is mind-boggling to the Apostle Paul that caused him to use this powerful word is that their faith was growing in the midst of the toughest and the roughest and the most crushing of circumstances. Their faith is not the kind that says, why me, Lord? But the faith that says, why not me, Lord? Their faith was the kind of faith 
that did not say, why God is doing this? And truth in advertising, I have said that. Just so you understand. But it was the kind of faith that says, thank God that I am not alone, that I'm seeing God walking with me and talking to me in the midst of the tough times. There's some preachers and teachers are saying that these Christian folks around the world who are suffering persecution, that they are really suffering persecution because they don't have enough faith. Now, I want to meet them a few years from now when persecution becomes full-flung here in the United States. This is just like the Apostle Peter. Peter was in that situation. He really was. I mean, he was self-puffed up. I am a man of faith. I have faith. You disciples, man, you don't have enough faith. I, I have faith. I told Jesus, man, they can't touch him. They have to come through me to get to him. Puffed up with faith. I mean, he thought his faith is the greatest thing since sliced bread. They didn't have sliced bread back then, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you disciples, you just weak. You, you, you don't have faith. You don't have faith like mine. I, I got it. And when Peter's faith got tested... He nearly crushed and burned. He was a great man of faith when there was a big crowds in Galilee and Jesus was popular, masses of people. Every man, this is, this is great. Get in a situation when your faith is put on the line and then talk to me. See, Jesus warned Peter, and let, please, beloved, my friend, listen, let the warning of Jesus be a warning to each one of us, each one of us. And yours truly ahead of you. He warned him again and again. You see, Peter was a big talker. He was bragging about his faith. And he would not receive or accept the warning of Jesus. And it happened just like Jesus warned him. <laughs> the moment the rooster crowed, Peter turned into chicken. <laughs> In Luke 22... Here's what Jesus is warning to Peter. Simon, 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 Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. I have seen how wheat is sifted. I know what Jesus is talking about. They put the wheat with the husk in the sieve and they shake it up and down. And this way, listen, beloved, I know some of you are being shaken right now. Shake, shake, sifting. And Peter's faith was severely shaken. And it would have been destroyed if it weren't for the following words, the rest of the sentence when Jesus gave him that warning. Here's what he said. He said, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Let me tell you something. None of us have strength other than that is given to us. Amen. He said, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you go back, strengthen your brothers. Beloved, any strength any of us have is because we have an advocate in heaven who is interceding for us right now, who is on the right hand of the Father interceding for you by name. He's praying for you. And that is why the Apostle Paul thanks God for the Thessalonian strength. And you have to ask, how, 
How can persecution, crushing times, crushing trials, difficult circumstances, suffering, will strengthen them instead of cause them to fail? Ah, because these circumstances presses you and press me, press every true believer, every faithful believer, every genuine believer. They press us. They press us closer to the heart of Jesus. These trials drive us and drive every faithful believer to greater dependence on God. These afflictions increase a true believer's genuine ability to trust God regardless of the circumstances. That is why James, the brother of Jesus, said, Consider it all. How many of it? All. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance will make you lack in nothing. See, today we tend to speak about faith as something you have or something you don't have. And, and we say, well, he has faith, she has faith. Uh, well, they, he doesn't have faith. And, and we talk about faith in such a way that's really not biblical. <laughs> We have a, a definition of faith as it is static, but biblical definition of faith is dynamic, not static. So I hear people sometimes say, I wish I had your faith. I, I, I wish I had. No, that's not the faith of the scripture. Like somebody says, I wish I had your genes, or I wish I had your height. No, 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 no. That is not the scriptural faith, that's not the biblical faith. Others talk about losing their faith. It's like you're, you're losing your glasses or you're losing your keys. and you lose some, It's like a commodity. You leave it there and you lose it and then you come back, you need it, you pick it up. No, 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 no. Faith in the Bible is not static. It's dynamic. It's like a tree that grows both deeper and higher. It's like a muscle that when you work it out again and again and again and exercise it in training, all of a sudden, after 10 years, you realize, oh boy, I got some bicep. <laughs> it's like a healthy plant that is forever branching out. I pray that everyone at the sound of my voice would have an ever-increasing faith. And that's what Paul thanks the Lord for, their ever-increasing faith. Secondly, he thanks the Lord for the ever-growing love. I know those who are biblically sound understand that love in the Scripture is not that mushy sentimentality, this emotional thing that Hollywood produces. You know that, that biblical love is that love that is always willing to sacrifice. While faith has organic growth, love is like a flood that overflows the fields of your heart and your life. While faith grows like a tree, love flows like a river. The problem is there are so many people who think that the Christian life is that you grit your teeth and you try to love people. <laughs> Especially the unlovable. Come on now. <laughs> I understand. I got flesh and blood. But the Christian love floods. Floods your life. Floods your heart. And then allows Jesus to love them through you. 
You know, when a husband and wife love each other and love is overflowing in both of them, man, they're tripping over each other in serving and giving and forgiving. I mean, they can't do enough. Oh, but when the love of Christ dries up in one or all both, all of a sudden, they're counting every little mistake, every little fault, every little failure. Some might actually keep a ledger. <laughs> it happened in relationships. Believers in the church, among each other. Not just in the home. When a person begins to nitpick every little mistake you make, every little fault, every little failure, the love of Christ in that person began to dry up. I wanted to hear me right. This is really important. Because these folks' critical attitude, when uh, it becomes so permeating in their heart and love because of the dryness of the love of Christ, they cannot see any good. All they see is the negative. All they see is the failure. All they see is the mistake. But listen, Paul was not unaware of the failures and the shortcoming of the Thessalonians. In fact, he mentions them as we're going to see them. He was not glossing over. He's not, he's not ignoring it. But he did not allow their shortcomings to be his focus. Paul was aware of their weaknesses, but the overwhelming love of Christ filled his heart so that he can focus on that transforming power that is taking place in their lives that brought their lives into ever-growing love. Not the shortcomings and not the weakness. Paul was thankful for their ever-increasing faith. He was thankful for their ever-growing love. Thirdly, Paul was thankful for their ever-intensifying hope. Look at verse 4. See, Paul's primary concern was the affliction, the problems, the trials, the tough circumstances is going to make them lose hope in Christ. And so Timothy comes back to him after he visits with them. And he said, Paul, far from these things, destroying their hope in Christ is making them stand tall for Christ. Far from losing hope, they're standing firm in that hope. The storms of life were just like water hitting a mighty rock of their hope in Christ. So much so that the Apostle Paul becomes so filled with pride, good pride, I'm going to explain that in a minute, on their behalf. He was proud of them. I know when we talk about pride, or I'm proud of you, and a lot of people kind of have a hesitation, and that's natural, by the way. Most folks, if they're spiritually sensitive, they have problems reconciling Christian pride with humility. They have a problem reconciling thanksgiving with boasting. As I said, rightly so. Why? Since thanksgiving gives the credit to whom? Boasting gives credit to whom? The self. And therefore, they have conflict. There is a kind of boasting that is perfectly compatible with thanksgiving. If you got that, say amen. amen. Boasting in the Lord 
and thanksgiving to the Lord are two sides of the same coin. You know, having lived in Australia and America, two Western cultures, I had to struggle with this question. Humility, pride, boasting, thanksgiving. I really did. In Australia, for example, I ministered for five years in a variety of churches and variety of capac- different capacities. And I can tell you that I can count on one hand, this is being generous, on one hand, the number of times that somebody came to me and said, thank you for preaching the Word of God. Well, it's a cultural thing, not biblical thing. And the cultural thing is they, they say, well, they're afraid that they may give me a swollen head. Now I'm just talking about me, but anybody in that situation. They worry about that. On the other hand, Americans tend to be more effusive. And that effusiveness sometimes gives itself to flattery. And I thank God for discernment. I see it right away. And I see the difference between an encouragement and a flattery. Because flattery leads to unhealthy pride. So what does the Bible teach? Listen carefully. Neither flattery nor silence is biblical. One produces unhealthy pride and being puffed up, and the other one produces discouragement. And Paul here shows us that we can affirm people without leading them into being puffed up. How? By saying, I thank God for you. I thank God for giving you his gifts. I thank God for giving you his strength. I thank God for giving you such faith. I thank God for working in you. Why is this so important that Paul starts with it before he gets in to talk about the signs of the end times and the sign of the end of history? Because the more and closer we get to that moment of the end of history and the return of Christ, we need to know how to encourage one another, how to bless one another, how to love one another, how to walk in faith with one another. As you see, the time of history is coming to an end. Start by being faithful to God, but being loving toward one another, holding tenaciously into the hope in Him. Dr. Michael Youssef, beginning his new series, The End of History and You. Listen right here online or subscribe to our podcast. More about all of these when you visit ltw.org. Maybe after hearing about the Thessalonians, you'd like to have a heart-to-heart about what it means to be a Christian. If so, you're invited to speak with one of our pastoral team members. Explore your questions and initiate a conversation when you visit ltw.org Jesus. ltw.org Jesus. You know, God has used the teaching and outreach ministry of Dr. Yusuf for well over 30 years now. And we're so glad that Dr. Yusuf was obedient when God called him into service, ultimately becoming a pastor and teacher, leveraging technology to passionately proclaim uncompromising truth around the world. God is using Dr. Yusuf across six continents. And recently, we heard from a person whose life was touched while listening in the heartland of the United States. Allow me to summarize a few lines from her note. I came across your messages while commuting to work. I love listening through the app. Your daily messages have made a huge difference in my life. My spiritual growth is at levels I never imagined. Growing to an understanding of a relationship with God 
rather than just service. May God continue to use and bless you. As she mentioned, you can listen to Dr. Yusuf through the Leading the Way app. Find the app for your device by doing a simple search in your device's store. Or you can call a ministry representative at 1-300-133-589. 1-300-133-589. And if you enjoy listening to Dr. Yusuf on the radio, you may want to consider joining him most Sundays for Leading the Way Live at Apostles. At just past 10.30am Eastern Time, visit ltw.org for a link to join Dr. Yusuf live as he teaches at his home church in Atlanta. Again, it's called Leading the Way Live at Apostles, and I hope you'll make it a point to join him then. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Learn more at ltw.org. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.